0: lives, and as I continued to study further and look at the different struggles that we face in life, I came across a statement, and the statement is found in the book titled The Road Less Traveled, and the author opens up with these three words, and they're very encouraging. Life is hard. How many of you would agree with that simple statement? That life is hard. How many of us would agree with that? Yeah, a, a good majority of us, and, and I stand here this morning wishing that I could look at our our youth who are all staring at their cell phones. i 'm um, no, kidding. I wish I could look at our youth and our kids and tell you guys that after high school, everything gets perfect don 't you guys wish we could tell them that that the hardest part of life is high school. And when you leave there, especially those who become Christians, once you accept Christ into your life, it's all hunky dunky and perfect from here. However, we're not lying people, are we, church? And so we're not going to lie to our youth and kids, are we? And so we're going to say those three words, aren't we? Life is hard unfortunately, the reality is there are moments. And now there are good times, don't get me wrong. There are are glorious moments where we can sit back and think that was a good day, but there are other days where we just sit back and we can say nothing else except for, Lord, today was hard. Life is hard. However, what I have found in my studies and in my experience is although life is hard, it is doable. Life is manageable under the right conditions, of course. You see, if we don't know how to handle the storms and the waves of life, well then they will crash over us and they will completely destroy us. If you are unprepared for the situations you're getting ready to face, if you are unprepared on how to handle things, guess what's going to happen? Those waves that we face, they are going to crush you you are going to get hit with them, and they will roll you, they will flip you, and you will not know what to do, and they will completely destroy you. However, if we understand how God prepares us for them and and what he does in them, which is what we talked about last week, we will be able to handle the storms, church. And so what I want to do is I don't want to leave you with that statement, life is hard, amen, go about your business, that would be a very depressing way to end the service, especially since we've just celebrated a new believer, right? We, we welcome her into the family. How, yes, how amazing is this? Welcome to the family. Life is hard. Good luck. That wouldn't be very encouraging, would it? What I want to do is I want to own the fact that life is hard. It's challenging, but what I want to do is I want to be able to give you hope and explain to you how Jesus prepares us for the struggles and the challenges and the waves and the storms of life. So go with me to John chapter 16, and I want to read to you verse 33. We are going to look at different verses in this chapter, so keep your, keep your uh, Bibles marked there, but go to the very last verse, and this is the verse that I want you to highlight. This is the verse I want to keep our attention on for the majority of this service. John chapter 16, verse 33. If you have the red letter edition, then you will know that this is Jesus speaking. Listen to the words of our Lord and Savior. Listen to what he says. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Life's hard, church. Listen to what he says. In this world, you will have trouble. That's Jesus saying, life's hard. In this world, you're going to face trouble. But listen to what he says. But take heart. Take heart. He says, be encouraged. Listen, don't get discouraged. Don't get defeated. Because listen to what he says. I have overcome the world. Oh, church, that's Jesus speaking. He says, yeah, yeah, life's hard. I get it. But guess what? Jesus has overcome the world. Jesus has overcome this life. Jesus has overcome it. And he says, all you have to do is cling to me and I'll bring you peace. And so here's what we're going to do. You see, church, God has prepared us for the storms of life. He has given us the resources to be prepared. So what we're going to do now is I want to show you how Jesus prepares us for the storms, okay? And the first thing is this. He lets us see the clouds. He lets us see the clouds that are coming, right? If you've ever had a chance to be in the opening uh, outside when a storm comes and you look at the direction of the storm, you typically can see the clouds coming, right? You see that big dark cloud and the first thought is, I should probably get inside. This is not going to end well. And what happens when that big cloud finally gets over your house? bust open, doesn't it? And it starts pouring and it starts raining. And so what Jesus does in life is he says, I want to prepare you. Therefore, I'm going to let you see the clouds. He lets us see that when the storms are approaching, he lets them see us, he lets us see them gathering. He does not allow the storm to just catch us off guard all of a sudden where we're out in the midst of it. We don't know what happened. And we all of a sudden we're getting battled. We're getting bruised. We're getting blown around and we have no idea what just happened. We're like, what, what in the world just happened? That's not what Jesus does. Jesus says, no, I'm, re- I'm ready to prepare you. I-, I want you to see what's coming your way. He begins to prepare his people when the st- uh, storm stage of life is coming. So like I said, if you go back to verses one and two of chapter 16, he's talking to his disciples and listen to what he says. All of this I have told you so that you will not go astray. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you life's hard church Jesus says a time is coming when they're actually they're going to want to kill you and he says a time will come when anyone who kills you will think he is offering a service to God life is hard he says look here a time is coming it's going to get so hard that they're going to want to kill you it's a warning church He warns them. He prepares them. He's allowing them to see the clouds. And he does this. He allows them to see the clouds for three reasons, okay? The first reason is this so that our fears will be lessened. In other words, Jesus wants us to be prepared. He wants us to be living prepared, not living in fear. Lean to your neighbor and say, don't live in fear. He wants, he wants our fears to be lessened. He doesn't want us walking around terrified. Jesus looked at his disciples and says, you have no idea what's coming. You don't know what's heading your way. They're going to want to kill you. They're going to kick you out of the synagogue. They're going to kick you out of the temples. They're going to kick you out of your homes. They're going to kick you out of where you, where you feel comfortable. But I want you to be prepared for it because guess what? I got a mission for you in the midst of all of that. So get ready. He says, don't live in fear because I'm preparing you. Don't live in fear just be ready. He says, I want you to realize that things are going to happen so that your fears will subside. That's why, I'm, that's why I'm telling you these things, so that when they do come, you're going to be ready. Church, life is hard. And Jesus says, get ready for it. Get ready for it. And he does this also. He lets us see the clouds so that we will be secure in him. Jesus basically told them, I want you to remember the words so that when the time comes, you will be ready. So that when the time comes, you will cling to Jesus. You see, oftentimes when a storm in our life, when a wave starts hitting us, what we do is we like to find security in material things. I'm going to find security in what I know and what I'm comfortable with. I'm going to find security in my own strength. But Jesus is saying, no, you don't have to find security there because that's going to fail eventually. The things on this earth are going to fail. And what Jesus says is, I'm letting you see the clouds now. I'm giving you the warning now. I'm telling you, life is going to be hard for you because I want you to do something. I want you to cling to me. I want you to hold on to me, Jesus says. Why? Go back to verse 33. What does he say? Because I've overcome the world. He wants you to find your security, not in the things of the world, not even in your own self. No offense, church. Listen to me. We're not perfect, okay? Don't find your security in your preacher. You can ask my beautiful wife. I'm not perfect. Listen, neither are you. And he says, I'm letting you see the clouds now. I'm giving you this warning because if you find your security in me, you will have peace in the midst of the waves. That doesn't mean the waves aren't going to be there. That doesn't mean the storms aren't going to be there. What it means is we can have peace and comfort in the midst of them, church. That's what that means. So he lets us see the waves because he he wants us to find security in him. Then he lets us see the waves. And this is interesting because the timing is right. The timing is right, he, the, the disciples in this story, the timing is right for them to finally know. You see, there's a time for us to hear God talk to us about the storms of life. And for the disciples, it was time. This is right before Jesus was getting, get, gonna be a, 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 a crucified. He says, a time is coming where I'm no longer gonna be with you. A time is coming where I'm not gonna be around and you need to be ready. And the time for you to start preparing is now. He says, I've spent years with you. I have prepared you. I've done everything I can to teach you. Now listen, you need to get ready. The time is now. Church, listen to me. The time is now. There, there's no more waiting around for us. If, if you look at the, the current events of this world, the storm, it's right on the horizon. The timing is now for us to be prepared. Are we prepared? So that's why he lets us see the clouds. He was preparing them for what, is, for, for what was coming. He wants them to be ready and be prepared. The second thing is this. He assures us, the reason why he prepares us is that he assures us that he has our best interest in mind. Go to verse 6 and the beginning of verse 7. And this says, You are very sad from hearing all of this. He says, You're really sad, right? Jesus looked at him and said, Life is hard. How many of you, when I said that, were like, Amen, preacher, you're right. I'm so glad life is hard. No. Not many of us, right? None of us are excited that life's going to be hard. If I told you when you walk out in the parking lot, and i please don't let this happen, Lord. If you walk out in the parking lot and your battery's dead, none of you are going to be like, Pastor, I'm really glad you said life is going to be hard. Not many of us are excited about that. So what does Jesus say? He says, you are very sad from hearing all this. But I tell you that it is for your good that I'm going away. It's for your good that I'm going away. He has our best interest in mind. You see, when we're going through the storms of life, none of us really sit back and think, well, he has our best interest in mind." Not typically. The humanity in us thinks, man, this just stinks. How how many of you remember when when your parents used to discipline you and they would tell you, it's for your good? (sighs) How many of you were like your preacher and didn't buy into that garbage? Oh, it's for your good. Really? You're spanking me for my good? No. Or, or, or if you're a teenager like I was, oh, man, uh, the dad walks, your dad walked into the, the kitchen. All right, son, give me your keys. What did I do? I don't want to give you my keys. I paid for that gas. Come on. What do you mean give you? What did I do? It's for your good. You can't go out this weekend. No. What do you mean it's for my good? I never understood it, right? Or, or a dad say, this hurts me worse than it hurts you. No. I didn't buy into that for nothing, not until I was grown, all right, and I became a father. Those of you who are parents, you understand, right? Why do we discipline our children? We discipline our children because we want them to grow up into strong adults. We want them to be prepared for the things that are going to face in life, right? We don't prepare them to handle finances. Guess what? They're not going to know how to handle finances in life. We don't don't teach them how to handle grief. Guess what happens when they lose mom and dad? They're not going to know how to handle grief we have to discipline our children, right? She walks up and touches a hot stove. Guess what's going to happen? She's going to get burnt, right? So what does daddy have to do? Don't touch the hot stove. When you're in the kitchen, stay away from the stove. She gets to the stove. What do I do? I have to discipline. Get away from the stove. Well, why, daddy? I'm teaching you not to get near things they are going to burn you. I'm preparing her for life. So parents, what do we do? We prepare them. Well, guess what, church? God does the same thing. He disciplines us to prepare us. He has our best interest in mind because Jesus know, Jesus knows the storm is coming. We know that our children are going to face things in life, don't we? We know that because we've, we're adults. We get it. And so we want them to be prepared because we have their best interest in mind. They may not understand it at the time. I can promise you. My dad took the keys to my truck. I never understood it. i was like, this is stupid. I don't want to sit here with you and watch TV. I want to go out with my friends. And he says, nope, you sure can't. Well, now I get it, right? Me and my friends, we should not have been together that often. We caused trouble. It was for my best interest. And now I see it. And God does the same thing. He says, I have your best interest in mind. You just got to hold on. I'm trying to prepare you for the time that's coming. The third thing is this. He sends the Holy Spirit to minister to us. If you continue in verse 7, he says, the Holy Spirit cannot come and help you until I leave. But, after I'm gone, he says, I will send the Spirit to you. Jesus says, I have to go through this. He's talking to his disciples. Remember, he's getting ready to be crucified. And he says, I have to get ready to leave you. And you have to be prepared. But understand this, I'm going to send you a helper. I'm going to send you someone that's going to guide you, comfort you, and minister to you. And the Holy Spirit comes, check this out, the Holy Spirit will do several things. One, will reveal the truth about sin and God's justice. Two, guide the believer into full truth. And three, glorify God during the midst of the storm. In all four uh, gospels, it is recorded that Jesus told us believers that he would send the Holy Spirit to comfort us, to walk alongside us, and to minister to us. So he prepares us by sending the Holy Spirit to us. So if you, if you feel discouraged, if you feel, man, I'm going through this alone, church, you have to be encouraged and understand you are not alone because he has already sent the Holy Spirit to us. Here he's telling the disciples, I will send the Holy Spirit. Listen, let me tell you, he has sent the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is there to comfort you, guide you and give you strength in the midst of the storm. We have to be encouraged, church. The Holy Spirit is there to minister to us all right? He's already sent the Holy Spirit to us. Number four is he gives us enough light for today. He reveals enough knowledge to help us get through the storm. He doesn't, listen, a lot of times when you're going through the storm, you cannot see the end of it, all right? Imagine being in a financial crisis. A lot of times when you're that financial crunch, you can't see the end of it. Why? Well, the bills keep piling up, right? One right after another. Or you're in a health situation, the doctor keeps giving you more and more and more diagnoses. And you're sitting there thinking, I can't see the end of the storm. But Jesus is saying, no, look, I know you can't see the end of it, but I'm gonna minister and comfort you in the midst of it. I'm gonna give you enough knowledge just to make it through today. The future, listen, tomorrow has enough problems of its own, he says. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't make today worse because you're worrying about tomorrow. What I need you to do is hold on to what I've given you today. Make it through today. I'll take care of the rest. He says, I'm going to give you enough light so you can make it through today. You just hold on to me. I'll make sure I take care of the end game. You don't worry about the end. I got that covered. What does he say in verse 33? We already know how it ends, church. He overcame the world. He conquered the world, church. That's how it ends. We technically know the end game. But a lot of times in the midst of the storms, we don't see it. But Jesus says, you just just hold on. I'm going to give you enough light for today. Number five is he reminds us of his unconditional love. If you look at verse 31, Jesus replied to them. He says, you believe at last the time will come and is already here when all of you will be scattered. Each of you will go back home and leave me by myself, but the father will be with me and I won't be alone. In verse 33, I'm going to read it again to you. Highlight this verse, underline. I want you guys to memorize this verse. It says, I have told you this so you might have peace in your hearts because of me. What he's saying is brothers in a few moments there are things that are going to drastically change around here Things are going to look different and they're going to take me away from you But I want you to know that when this storm comes guess what you're going to do. You're going to abandon me That's what he tells me. He says you're going to leave me And if you if you if we know the gospel story, don't we? What did the disciples do? They scattered when he was arrested they left And they left him by himself by himself But what does jesus say anyway? Regardless, I still love you. He reminds us of his unconditional love, church. No matter how we behave in the midst of a storm, his love will never leave us. He says, Look, I get you're going to leave me. You're going to abandon me. One of you is going to betray me. The other one's going to deny me. The rest of you won't be there. Only one of you is actually going to be at the foot of the cross watching me die. But I love you anyway. I love you enough to die for you. Church, listen to me. We're going to go through storms. That's the heart. Life is hard, but the reality that we have to hold on to is that He loves us unconditionally. He will never leave us nor forsake us, Church. In the midst of the storm, His love is always there, and we have to cling to that hope. Hold on to that now, especially on this beautiful sunny day like this. Remember that He loves us today, so that when the storms come, we can cling to that hope. And the sixth thing is this: He gives us courage in spite of our circumstances. He says, "While you're in the world." You will have to suffer. But listen to what he says. He says, cheer up. Don't worry about it. He says, take heart. I've already conquered the world. He says, in spite of our circumstances, I'm going to give you courage. I've already won it. In a couple days, about 48 hours, you're going to see me go through the worst thing the world can throw my way. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to go through a trial. I'm going to be beaten to the inch of my life. I'm going to be hung on a cross. And you're going to witness me die. But take courage. Cheer up. Don't worry about it. Because in three days after that, I am going to conquer death. I am going to bring the hope. I am going to bring salvation. He says, I want you to understand, because I was victorious over the storm of death, you will be victorious over every storm you encounter in life. He says, take heart. I got you. That's how Jesus prepares us. And he does this. Listen, I know I have a lot of notes today, and I have a couple more, okay? Just bear with me, church. But he does this because he knows the storms are coming. And he wants to prepare us because in the midst of storms, one of, a couple of things can happen, okay? Either we can let it destroy us, or we can take these six things, we can prepare ourselves so that when the storm comes, a couple things can happen, okay? In the midst of storms, you've got two options. You can either grow and allow God to mold you in the midst of it, or you can let it destroy you and lose your faith. That's the only two options you have. Because a storm can do a couple things if we're prepared. A storm can do a few things if we are prepared. If we take these six items, allow God to prepare us, and then in the midst of the storm, once we're prepared, we can grow during that, okay? Because a storm does this. Here's a few statements about storms. Number one, storms allow us to see our true selves. You want to know who you are as a human being? You want to know what your character is always actually like? Go through a storm. Because it's easy to put the mask on when the sun's out, right? Oh, it's real easy to come to church on a Sunday morning, all pretty and nice outside, and say, oh, look, pastor, I'm a great Christian. Look at me. Go through a storm. You're going to see what your character is actually like. And if you're prepared for that, guess what? You're going to be able to cling to Jesus no matter what. That's what a storm reveals, is how prepared you were. It shows who you actually are. The second thing is storms are a time of restoration. There are times, if you allow them, of renewal. There are times that, that allow me to draw closer to God, Right? So when the storm comes, instead of allowing it to completely destroy me, I can allow it to restore my faith in God, saying, no matter what happens, no matter matter the outcome, I'm going to cling to him. They're times of restoration. And the third thing is storms can bring spiritual growth in your life. And I can say can bring because it's up to you and I. It's our determination. I have to say this, they're going to bring me spiritual growth or they're going to completely destroy me. They can bring if you allow it. They don't automatically bring growth. But if we encounter the storm with the right mindset, then we can grow. Look at Hebrews chapter 12. It says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful, right? Discipline's tough, isn't it? Think about the discipline about your parents. That was, that's tough stuff, isn't it? He says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a, har- a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. He says later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Spiritual growth can happen as long as we are prepared for the storms and allow God to shape us and mold us in the midst of them, church. And so, how do we do this? All right, knowing that Jesus prepares us for the storm, knowing that it can bring spiritual growth, well, how do we take the lessons and how do we apply them? Well, Really simple. Here's a couple things on how we can grow during the storm. The first is this. Learning from storms requires a decision. You have to make a choice. When the storms hit, things will not just happen. You have to be very, there's a very specific word. You have to be intentional. The storms of life will completely crush you if you are not intentional about it. And so in the midst of them, we can learn from the storms, but it requires a decision. You know what that decision is? Who is going to be lordship? Who is going to be lord over your life? It's the lordship issue. Am I going to give God full control over my life? Or am I going to maintain control and try to steer the ship myself? Are you going to give God control of the steering wheel? Are you going to let him take control of the ship? Or are you going to try to do it? It's a decision that you have to make. It's a very intentional decision. The lordship issue says, God, I'm willing to let you have control over my life. I'm willing to let you run my life. I'm willing to let you be sovereign God over it. I'm willing to take my hands off my life, off the steering wheel. It is your life now. You run with it. You see, lordship means obedience. Lordship means God no longer am I in control, but I'm giving you control. So if you want to grow in the midst of a storm, listen to me, church. You have to make a decision. You have to be intentional about it. You have to say, Lord, I'm giving you control over my life. Because church, listen to me. If we do not give God control, we will sink. That ship will fail. The sails will be torn and you will completely be lost in the sea. But if we give him control, then the outcome is always going to be positive. Because what does he say in verse 33? I've already overcome the world. So if you want to learn from storms, it requires the decision. The second thing is learning from a storm requires dedication. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it says, You are tempted in the same way that everyone else is tempted, but God can be trusted not to let you be tempted too much, and he will show you how to escape from your temptations. But church, in order for this to happen, we must be dedicated to God and dedicated to stay with him even in the storm. So we have to make a decision. We have to say, Lord, I'm going to let you have control of my life, and I am going to be dedicated no matter how big the waves are, no matter how bad the storm is, no matter how bad it hurts, I'm never going to leave you because I know, I know that you are going to take care of me. I know you have my back. I know you have my best interest. That's why he says, that's why we have to be prepared and understand that he has our best interest in mind. So that we can be dedicated and say, "Lord, I'm never going to leave you no matter how bad the storm gets. I know I'm on this ship, I know the storm's raging. I know the waves are crashing in. Sometimes I act like the disciples, where I just I, all, all hope is lost. But remember, Jesus walks on the storm church. He walks on the waves, and we have to be dedicated enough to say, "I'm never going to leave." The third thing is learning from storms requires are all of our favorite words humility. We all love that word, don't we? Requires humility, church. First Peter chapter 5 says, all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. It says, humble yourselves. We have to lay aside our pride and say, Lord, I'm not strong enough to handle this. Lord, I'm, I can't do this without you. Heavenly Father, I need you And we have to lay aside our pride. And the thing is, God doesn't give out humility. Again, it goes back to number one. It's a decision that we have to make. It's a choice that I have to make. Then the fourth thing is this. We have two more. Learning from storms requires living with a sense of destiny. In other words, church, when we face the storms, we have to remember they're only temporary. Life is hard, right, church? We all agreed on that. We're all going to face storms. But guess what? It's only temporary. This life, it's only temporary. The storm you're in right now, listen to me. Let me give you some hope. It's only temporary. Doesn't last forever. Go back to verse 33. What does Jesus say? I've overcome the world. You see, we may not see the end of the storm right now, but guess what? We have to learn from it and understand that eventually it will end. And Jesus has already won the victory, meaning even though it hurts right now, I can cling to the hope that this is not forever, but in eternity with our Lord and Savior, that is forever. And number five is this, learning from the storms requires the prayers of saints and the help of the Holy Spirit. Church, you cannot do it on your own. Here's what Paul says in Philippians about his imprisonment. He says, I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help given to me by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Ladies and gentlemen, if you try to do it on your own, you're going to fail. But if you go to prayer, earnest, intentional prayer, and you cling to the Holy Spirit, you're going to be able to make it through. And in the end, though it might have been painful in the moment, in the end, you're going to spend an eternity with Jesus Christ. Amen. So as you leave here today, I want you to be encouraged and understand that Jesus is preparing you, but you must be willing to allow him. We have to be intentional about it. And when the storms and waves of life appear, you must make the choice to cling to him and allow the Holy Spirit to strengthen you and guide you. We understand life is hard, but the storm, it is not the end. Jesus has told us these things so that in him we may have peace. And in this world, we will have trouble but we must take heart. Remember what he said, Jesus Christ has overcome the world. Amen, church. As our worship team comes back to lead us in song again, stand to your feet with us, church, and remember, the storm, it's not the end. Jesus Christ. to know that you've overcome the world and so as we leave here today lord give us the strength to be able to cling to you and remember that you have prepared us for this lord help us guide us and protect us as we leave here lord help us to be the witness that you have called us to be protect us on our way home lord so we can come back together again it's your glorious name that we pray this and everybody says it amen and before you leave give miss catherine a word of encouragement our new believer let's give her again a round of applause today's a day of celebration god bless you guys and i love you have a great day